welcome to a damn podcast episode 27. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, 27. Yep. This is our first of four Halloween uh, centric I, installments. I kind of think with the music, you should have started talking like maybe Dracula or something. Oh, God. I was going to do. <laughs> yeah, I actually. Oh, now, welcome. No, you just remind me. I was going to do a crypt. I was going to do a crypt keeper thing. <laughs> yeah, I was going <laughs> to. Hello, boys and ghouls. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't, so. Too late. Right. Yeah, we'll do it next. It would have been nice. Uh, so this week, oh, if you remember last week, we did Sin City with Bruce Willis, who is in uh, Color of Night, a movie that Paulter claimed that he hadn't seen and had no idea what it was. I never claimed that. I just it's remember. what, and then he's like, oh wait a minute, yeah, it's uh, like Skinamax. Yeah, they had sex in a in a yeah. or what did you say? It was sweet swimming pool sex. Yeah. Yeah, I never claimed I didn't see it. All right, Color of Night with Brad Dereef, who you might remember as the stuttering kid in uh, One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest, Mm -hmm. who is in, uh, Brad Dereef was in Exorcist 3, which is, has problems, but I, I, you know, if you like horror movies, I suggest checking out Exorcist 3. It's, it's, actually, it's directed kind of cool, and it's got some great, pretty scary scenes in it. Um, Better than you'd think it is. Yeah, Exorcist 3 with George C. Scott, who's in this week's movie, The Changeling. The Changeling. 1980. I don't remember who directed it, do you? It's the 80? Um, it's... Uh, Peter Medak Medak from, from such he, such went, hits as he went on to direct such hits as Species 2 and oh. Pontiac Moon and also I can't read my handwriting I don't know Romeo is Bleeding now Species 2 another great uh, sort of Skinamax style movie we're just naked people walking around through the whole thing. Attractive naked people. Yeah, you can't complain. It's a good merit. Uh, I guess we should mention. Yes, we have a guest uh, today. Yes, we Gavin. do. Gavin. What up? What up? How you doing? Gavin from Gavin's Underground uh, blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, the K- get... Is it KUTV? Yes. We, we can say that. It's associated. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the blog and what you do and stuff. Yeah, plug that shit, man. <laughs> I don't really know if anybody knows what the hell it is to begin with. Uh, in the entertainment section of uh, KUTV.com, now that I've just pimped that part out. Hell yeah. Uh, you can find my blog. I cover the uh, entertainment scene here in Salt Lake, or at least the underground one, which I guess is everything that's not Mormon. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's probably pretty good. So you can find stuff from you know film festivals, concerts, art shows, that kind of thing. Cool. And uh, Wednesday... Probably after you post this, it'll be up there. Sweet. Cool. So everybody go and check it out. We have definitely. some. Uh, we do a nice little interview in there. Yeah, which I think definitely. They reveal well. all, all we, the nasty. We do. <laughs> all the secrets. Things. Not safe for work. <laughs> um, all right, so let's get to it. The Changeling. Um, now, I this is a classic one for me. I've uh-huh. seen it. I've seen it multiple times. Um, and I guess my first question would be right off the bat, because you you haven't seen it, or you maybe um, saw I, you it when know, you were I, like, yeah, I, it's really pretty much young. like watching it for the first time. What did you think? I you know, as far as haunted house psychological horror type movies go, mm-hmm. uh, this is fits the bill perfectly. Yeah, as it, far it, as it, me go, it reminded me a lot of a few different movies, uh, and maybe it's movies that steal a lot the other way around yeah, yeah totally definitely other movies remind me of the changeling and i you know and i i say this all the time whenever we take a movie that that uh one of us knows really well or that both of us know really well you know and you kind of put it in this lexicon in your brain of like oh that's that movie and i really like it but when you go back and watch it again and you look at it under a, the microscope mm-hmm. you start noticing that kind of stuff and i i totally noticed it this time around i'm like 
God, that's 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 why that scene in the orphanage seems so familiar. Yeah, that's why that scene in say. Poltergeist seems so familiar. That's why over and over in Amityville Horror, I mean, boom, 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 you can yeah. go through all of these, and this is really one of those ones that I think probably the only one that was really a pinnacle of the more modern, uh, modern. haunted house uh, story that happened before this might have been The Shining. But I'd say there's The Shining and The Changeling, and those two were the game changers for everything else that came after. There's definitely you know? stuff uh, that reminded me a lot about The Orphanage, for sure. That mm -hmm. That's one that kept ringing in my head that, oh, that's completely... Yeah, yeah. That Orphanage does that same thing. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time... Uh, you know, I think maybe it was just the snow at the very first scene that was like, oh, that's the so, Shining. Like the guy. Shining, yeah. And then there's the phone booth in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Yeah, how about that? I know, I thought that too. Like, well, that's convenient. Just right an Pacific Bell has great service. <laughs> they really <laughs> do. You know, yeah, exactly. Like, the car broke down and we're in the middle of, oh, let's just push it 30 feet to that phone booth right there. But where the fuck is Superman going to change when there's trouble in the fucking Alps, but right? There's, like, there's going to be a driver on the way to Farmer's Daughter's house. <laughs> That's the phone they always visit. That's, that's the know. one you need, like, I, I need service. That's a so, great point. But, you know, let's talk about that beginning scene. Let's go from the beginning. It's a pretty fucked up beginning for a movie. Like, it, And it's actually, it has a really, it sets a really neat tone for it. For sure. They're pushing the car. You know, another car skids off the road while he's in the phone booth. Slow motion. Slow motion, but it's so great the way he turns around and sees it, and it freeze frames and says, The Changeling. Yeah, and that, it definitely like, deep set a cool tone. Like, yeah, it was really cool, man. But, uh, you know, a, a quick synops synopsis, basically, his yeah. family, the very first scene, nothing spoiling really here. No. Very first scene, he uh, his family gets killed on that road where he goes to make the phone call. Right. Um, you know... Uh, we skip forward like six months. Couple, I think. Yeah, a couple yeah. months down the road, basically, he's trying to move on. He moves to a different city, gets a he's job at a college. Seattle. Seattle. I he's in Is Seattle? Seattle? Yeah, I think so. Right. I saw the. the and, uh, you know, looking for a place to rent, and he ends up, <laughs> for some reason, uh, this is the last thing I would probably do after my family was murdered, but. Yeah. Uh, um, he gets a humongous house yeah. by himself. Well, because because he, he goes to the since he's going back to the this college to teach, and he's this like well known composer. And I mean, there, there's the great scene where he does his first class, and the class is like coming out the doors almost. There's so many why, people why in the is class. That? Is it just because they want to see the guy? Because he's a relatively killed? famous composer, oh, okay. and he's teaching music theory at this college, and so I think that. That's how he got got hooked up with this historical society that gave him this enormous house that it's basically like, he needs somewhere to live, this is a guy that can be trusted, which, bad on the historical society knowing what happens to the house by the end of yeah. the movie, but, uh, you know, uh, they give him this house, and I think it's because they had the music room and he's doing teaching, you know, it shows a couple scenes of him teaching actually in the house, that that's why they rent him that. And I was wondering that too, I was like, man, I wouldn't take that creepy ass fucking house, and then I thought about it, I went, but... If six months earlier I'd seen a snowplow pulverize and <laughs> like mutilate my family, you aren't scared of shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, nothing scares you. Pretty anymore. much You're... this whole movie, he's never scared. He really there, like holds it straight. There's, there's one time, uh, right after the recording, he listens to the the medium recording. Well, I think even before that, there's a great one. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll get into okay. it in a second though, and it was something I, I I've thought about since I I uh, picked this movie up again a couple of years ago. That was. Uh, a really great moment I want to talk about. but So he gets this old house, and from that point on, we have the classic 
haunted house tale. Yep. Strange things happening noises. in the house. Noises. Yeah. That the fucking great part where he's playing on the old piano and there's the one key that doesn't yeah. work, and then he leaves the room and then it, bing, and it's really loud and it's. You know, one of the things I thought was really great that helped set the mood is that, and, and this is very true with uh, a movie like The Shining also, uh, is the camera itself is a character. The camera sure. represents the entity So is in the, the house, house, of course. Yeah, yeah but the, exactly. And the house is beautiful. It's an incredible old, I mean, it's really one of those houses that has a parlor. Yeah. You know, like it has a parlor, a, a salon, a sitting room kind of a thing. And, uh, but the camera like looming way up high in the ceiling and then like slowly floating down or like that great shot in the scene I'm talking about where he's playing the piano and it's moving yeah, from room really cool. to room. And it's like, it doesn't need, and you know, the, I, I would say even the soundtrack itself later on down the, uh, down the road into the movie, it starts to get a little more ham handed and like, woo kind of stuff yeah. but the whole first half of the movie it's this really pretty string orchestrated with piano music that really sets an interesting tone of like yeah this is a classic horror movie like just you know I mean it could have taken place anytime it could have taken place last week it could take place 50 years I, I ago I actually thought it, it was like, older than 1980 I mm -hmm. didn't look at the year because it has that feel to yeah. it it has this like Victorian era almost feel to it I, I think one of the the scene I was talking about that, uh, as far as uh, him, uh, George C. Scott being frightened, um, <clears throat> one of the, the 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 classic one for me is uh, he starts hearing that pounding, boom, oh, boom, huh. and it's so it's loud, like really loud. Yeah, and yeah. he's at that point where he's been. Uh, he finds the ball of his daughter's, and he's in bed, and he's crying. Yeah, and then it starts. And fucking he's George C. Scott is such a good actor that you can have. That like, how do you get like? Find me an actor like have have I I, I don't know have uh, have Brad Pitt be <laughs> completely sobbing and sad, and then in the exact second as he's still sad, he's terrified at the same time. Yeah. When the pounding starts again, and I was just like, man, that's such a complex layers of emotions to try and convey. And George C. Scott's just. God, man, he's such a he was I such love, a great actor, and, and, and it's not necessarily just this movie too, though. This movie does it that the sound really ends up tying into the plot a lot. I think that a oh, lot yeah. of, a lot of horror movies, especially ones with haunted houses, have the creepy sounds all around or whatever that never play out. Yeah, well, they they do, but they, it's not in your face. Like, oh, this is the sound that you heard. Like, uh, for example, in the orphanage when she initially wakes up and goes out to the. Uh, goes out to the shed, she wakes up to the sound of that lady hitting the, the yeah, shovel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, against the lock, but they don't ever say that. You just kind of have to figure it out. And like, then, oh, that's what that this was. This one, they kind of show it to you, but the, the sound really plays into the plot really, really intensely, and it ends up being a pretty big part. Definitely, it definitely does. Well, and I, you know, that's, that kind of brings us to the next point, which is, and we debated this right before we started, as to whether or not we want to do a full-blown spoiler version because people may not have seen the changeling I, I, you know it's hard to say it's hard to say let's go ahead and get because the spoilers i think once we start talking about it i mean that's the rest of the movie yeah. really we've gotten we've gotten through the foreplay and now is time for the yeah i'm doing a hand gesture here but the killing the, the, yeah. the hmm? yeah so you get what i'm saying so uh now, have you seen this guy? We'll just go ahead and... I remember watching this when I was 12, and 
I think that's probably what most of our and listeners. The, and I don't know. Maybe it's my generation. It was one of those movies you flip float flip through it on the old Encore channel, right? Like, the, like there it is, sandwiched in between. It's a mad, 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 mad world of Bill Cosby himself. Yeah, and, totally, and exactly. It's one of those things you're watching on a Saturday, and you know you got nothing else to watch, and it goes through, and you're like, well, that was. All right. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Totally. No. It, and for me, I'd seen Poltergeist at ten, and yeah. I, and not knowing how the date system worked with that, especially since they had no copyrights attached to the films. Right. Like, right. Right. I just looked at like rip off. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. Like, and this is some and like. Then, and now here I am, at, yeah. like twenty six, realizing it's the other way around. Uh, <laughs> and they did that for that. Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, I think that most of our listeners uh, probably have the same experience. Most of the people I talk to. Even people who really love horror movies and movies with uh, mm-hmm. ghost stories and, and uh, scares in it and all that, they think I, I'm always like, oh, the changeling. And they're like, was that the one with that dude that played Patton? I'm like, yeah, and it kicks ass. And like, nobody All I really... remember from watching it is the wheelchair. That's the main oh, the thing I remember. wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> just wheel itself is, around. Oh, yeah. my God. So, okay, let's get into it now. We're going to get into it. This is... Uh, this is the spoiler. The rest of this is going to be spoilers. So if you if you haven't seen the Changeling, fast forward fifteen minutes. Uh, yeah, fast forward fifteen minutes. Go to the next chapter. Um, but really, go see it because it's a really great movie. You know, or perfect but, month. To or do that. hit pause. Go watch. Go watch it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come back. You have to take you the the earbuds out so you can <laughs> listen to the movie. Um, so basically, what we have here, and it's actually a very interesting. This is the other thing that I really like about this movie is that so often with the ghost story, the haunted house thing, it's that somebody died in the house, Woo, and that that's it. That's the end of it, and you know it. And so there's never some big plot twist at the end. It's just like get out of the house. They're right behind you, kind of a thing. Whereas this turns into a real mystery mm-hmm. and it's very interesting and uh you know I'll, I'll we'll go ahead and I'll, I'll just give up the rest of what the movie is plot wise and then we can talk about it the ghost that is haunting george c scott's house that he can hear is the ghost of a little boy whose father killed him because he was crippled and the father would not inherit any of the money had the son lived kills him replaces him with a child from an orphanage saying, oh, it's my son and he's still crippled, but we're going to go to Switzerland and, you know, we'll be back when he's 18. They come back. Hey, he's healed. The 18-year-old goes on to become this immensely powerful senator. Uh, mm-hmm. Senator, what's... Uh, what Senator Carmichael. Senator Curmudgeon. Curmudgeon. <laughs> Joseph Curmudgeon. Yeah, yeah he's, he is... Totally he, a he looked, Yeah, he looks like a little latex puppet. Huh? Oh, man. But uh, uh, Senator Carmichael... Who uh, then becomes, yeah, this very, very powerful, influential uh, senator in this town. And there's the red, there's the, uh, I guess it's not a red herring because it does end up being him, but there is the foreshadowing through the whole first half of the movie. He's peppered in there here and there, and you don't know why he's there, like what his character is supposed to have to do with all this. And this, this ghost of this little boy who was murdered, at first, you feel bad for him, but man, by the end of it, you're like, that is one pissed fucking ghost. Mm-hmm. He is, he is, he's taken everybody down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's such an interesting, uh, uh, mystery and, and all, all the stuff of them having to find the, the body and that the body was probably disposed of in a well, yeah. which once again that is cool the one. ring. 
Yeah. You know, very reminiscent of the movie The Ring, with the, 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 them but, finding the skeleton and pulling it out of the well. I, I mean, love the little props that they use, uh, you know, especially, you know, obviously the ball with his little with his daughter that comes back after... That is... The, like, I've never seen a scene with a little rubber ball that's so fucking scary. Yeah. It's just like, it's a bouncing down the well, stairs. And then, then the, the music box I thought was really cool. Yeah, because he composes the song. started coming together you know, mm-hmm. a little that bit. That really is, yeah, where he composes the song, and it... He starts composing the song after that door behind him opens. You know, the door opens by itself and he thinks somebody is in the room and they aren't. Then he sits down and he starts just out of nowhere playing this song. And he's like, oh, okay. And starts building on it. And then he finds the hidden room, Mm -hmm. which is, which is another great scene with Mm -hmm. the, yeah. Like every time to this day, every time that he opens that door and it's that little closet, I go, Whoever did the cobweb work was just really top notch. Dude, yeah. Was, <laughs> apparently, yeah, apparently millions the, of cobwebs. the producers of this movie are, are in uh, in league with the fake cobweb impresario <laughs> of Seattle. No, 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 you got it all wrong. This is back when movies were actually made right. They just went and hired a bunch of spires and left them in the room. Exactly. But left them in the room like, well, it's been six years. Let's go see what the exactly. cob let's go see how the cobwebs are we'll, doing. Then we'll use them for arachnophobia. You know, oh, and that room. little the scene with that little room and the child's wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Ah, Tiny little wheelchair. Oh, God, <laughs> dude, is seriously the most... Ugh. Um, all that stuff is really great. Um, uh, another scene that I thought uh, was uh, the orphanage, you know, ended up at least, not completely, but they had the idea of the medium where they come in and they hire a spiritual, spiritual advisor to come in and see what's really in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's always it always seems to be a woman too, the medium. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know why, but uh, I love the whole where she's speaking through his body through writing. Oh, and doing stuff. the writing, and then yeah, and then Very and then cool. he and then he hears it on the tape recorder. There's later. always something more to the tape recording. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there always <laughs> is. There always is. But in philosophy, would it have been as creepy if it was just this guy medium that came in? Yeah, it's here totally you got the older woman who's <laughs> just like, "Oh, well, I've done this a dozen times. Nothing can scare me." Oh, what the? Yeah, and then she gets freaked out. <laughs> yeah. She's supposed to be the she's expert. Probably that's dying always, or something. Yeah, that's say. always. And there's great. George C. Scott going, "Oh." Look, they're on a chandelier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, no, I love where he finds the, the music box. I love the scene where he goes back to the historical society. And I actually have to say that this, the way that the, the scene when he goes back to the historical society, I don't know if you know this, but it was shot beautifully where they obviously the had a crane cam. Yeah. yeah, and they're, they're on the balcony, and you have the, it's one of those weird uh, uh, triangle-shaped buildings. And so there's the street on either side, and they've got all of it in the shot. You have the cars driving down either side, but then they can still get the close-ups up yeah. on the balcony. It was a great-looking shot, but I love the the lady that ends up being in league with Senator Carmichael that comes out. Totally, and says, that house doesn't want people. When like I it's was so tr- classic. When I was man. trying to figure it out, I'm like, oh, she's got to be the killer. She, it's yeah, be she's her part of it. Yeah, yeah, she's the one that did it. But then, yeah, then the of course they, the records are missing before 1920. And like while they're looking for him, she's looking around. We should mention at this point, uh, 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 wow, Trish Trish Vanderveer. Okay. That plays the girl. The mm. the. It's not really a love interest, but it, you can yeah, see it's getting a little sidekick. close. Yeah, yeah. she is so <laughs> fucking cute. Like yeah. every time she shows up, like she's in the horse riding, like the little like well, uh, horse riding pants and the little yeah. jacket, and then Ooh, later when she right? has the little. Uh, <laughs> She has the little hat on, that little white hat she wears. I just think she's adorable. Well, I, I, to me, also, it's kind of, it, 
I, she doesn't really have a reason to keep coming back if she wasn't kind of a love, love interest, you know. She, Definitely, I think that she feels she feels bad, and she. But at the same time, then, and it's another one of these things, and it's it it happens so rarely in the haunted house genre of movie uh, that I love that they do it in this one, and another one that I think they do a great job of this same idea in is Stir of Echoes, where it is scary. But they want to know why it's happening to them, and they're more fascinated by it and sure. intrigued by it than they are frightened. And even though it's still really frightening, it's like George C. Scott is frustrated. He wants to get to the bottom of it. He wants to, you know, he knows that it's this little kid, and he, even though they've already died, he wants to save them because he's thinking about his daughter. And I think that's a really cool uh, subtext to it that, that you sure. don't see a lot in these kinds of movies. And really, like I said before, I really didn't notice him. Like even when super scary shit was happening, he wasn't really like. He didn't really crack. He played it pretty straight. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like in those scenes he's more sad than he is scared. You know, it's like he's, he's more just sad that, like, what now? What the fuck else can happen to me? Well, I've already lost my family. He gets to the point where he's like, I have to figure this out. And I love the scene where he comes back and the door starts slamming. And oh, he starts screaming. He's obviously pissed off. He's like, what else do you want me to do? No, it's so great, yeah, man. Yeah, that is, that is that is absolutely great. Um, let's see, I have the stuff about the, the medium and the e the EVP. I mean, really, that EVP stuff was way before, uh, I think, in popular culture, you know, the idea of the uh, electronic voice phenomenon stuff of hearing uh, the dead on tape and all that. I think this movie, I mean, I, I know that... All right, I'm, I'm going out on a limb. I'm going to be really nerdy <laughs> here. But I think that nineteen, the year 1980 was actually the year that... Uh, the forefront of EVP research, Constantine Raudif put out his book Breakthrough, was in 1980, and so this movie grabbed a hold of it right at the exact same time and put it in with the movie. That's so cool. I thought it was pretty fascinating because when you think about it, as far as popular media goes, they didn't even really know about EVPs until they started doing, like, come along with us ghost hunters, you know, and it's all those, like, really big beer belly, like, you know, 45-year-old virgins that live in their mom's basement. They yeah. have all this electronic equipment to find the ghosts, you I know? There used to be a security guard in the building I was in. The elevator would always stop at floor 12 and we could figure it out. So I became a ghost hunter that Exactly, way. yeah, that fucking guy. And then he, like, gets online and finds 10 other of those yeah. guys. And yep. they do that, and then they all go to Comic-Con together. I, I but, love the classic where he goes back and listens to it, and... And, uh, you know, he turns up the gain slowly, you know, yeah, and then he yeah, turns yeah. up the, he's like, what, do I hear something? And then, then more and more and it gets louder. And then of course you hear the kid and it's resonating through the TV. And yeah. It's like, oh, which, which oh is and why, it's so creepy. Which they later steal for six cents when he's listening to the Mexican yep. kid. Yep. Yep. Sure. Yep. Yep. Six cents. That's the, another the former new kid. That's, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. yeah. No, that's a great, I didn't even think about that, I mean, but that's yeah, another that's, one that is, yeah, yeah. It was a, yeah. Donnie Wahlberg, uh, uh, mini Donnie Wahlberg getting scared about, uh, whatever ghost is in the room with him. That's a good one. That's another one. No, that is that is great. Um, let's see the well built over the house. That whole thing is great. With the where the daughter oh, goes back in the really room. Cool. That shit's yeah. That shit's fucking awesome. That was really cool watching him uh, cut up the floorboards and finding the well. And and uh, now let me ask you this. So then after that, he gets the little he gets the charm. He goes uh, uh, or the um, yeah the charm with the Saint Anthony on it, and he. Goes back and confronts Senator Carmichael again. Yeah, uh, the reporter actually comes to his house. Remember? No, oh, the cop. Oh, I mean, the cop. Sorry. Oh, the cop. I forgot reporter, about the yeah. cop. Uh, uh, Captain Dewitt. Yeah, <laughs> Captain Dewitt comes and muscles him up, and the motherfucker makes the mistake of saying, "I'm coming back here in an hour 
to tear this place apart. It's like, don't, don't say that in yeah. the house. And within 10 minutes, yeah. <laughs> he's fucking up in flames. He's, he's car is upside down and there's a hole in the windshield and the dude's just dead. And there's no other cars Ulti- on the road. Ultimate bad guy uh, please, uh, cliche there. You know, give too much information away than uh, give them opportunity to, you know, get yeah. back at him. It's just like, well. Exactly. Because right. yeah. as we all know, every ghost is just sitting back saying, give me a reason. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Come on. <laughs> Tell I'm, me you're going to turn this I can make chairs apart. fly across the room. You think you're, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can, I can, I can oh, rip a hole sick. in the fabric of time-space continuum. <laughs> yeah. Give me a reason. What are you going to do? That's a great, great point. Um, yeah, that's a total malevolent spirit. I love that with Captain DeWitt. Um, I like Carmichael's breakdown once once uh, George oh, yeah. C. Scott gets there. And here's the thing, okay, and I've been wondering about this. I, I want your opinion. Did Carmichael know? Did he know that he was the changeling? Did he know that he had he been He had replaced? to have some kind of recollection because he's obviously has some kind of guilt going on. Right, And then, but then there's some weird context, too, where you think... He knew about it, and he knew about the house, and he knew that stuff was in the house, and he was trying to keep it secret. But obviously, he also knew that he couldn't go in the house. Yeah. Like, that he has stayed away. Like, everybody has avoided well, the house. Are we talking the father or the son? The, 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 uh, the, the, the son, the <laughs> new son, the changeling son. Mm-hmm. The, father, the father died. I mean, we're talking, at this point, I mean, this movie is, uh, well, came out in 1980s and made in the 70s. So we're talking about stuff that happened in, like, 1910. What? So dad's dead, but the son, the senator, had to have known. He had to have known something. Because I'm sure they had this talk long before he turned <laughs> 18. You know, you're going to get some questions asked about yeah, yeah. your legs. Just, you know. Yeah, you were cured. <laughs> Just roll it off. Yeah, I guess that's a good point, because yeah, the kids probably, point. the kids probably, I mean, in the flashbacks where the dad drowns him, the kid's, like, 12? If that, yeah. Maybe more like ten. I, I, uh, I so yeah. I mean, the fucking ten-year-old kid. You take him out of the out of the orphanage. We're going to Switzerland. Your legs are broken. Stay in the wheelchair. I mean, there has to be somebody. That's a really good point. So yeah, I mean, he had to have known. The uh, I, he just probably didn't know. He probably didn't know that his dad murdered. Yeah. The other son, because that's where he does the whole breakdown. Oh, I love and the, it's so great. You feel bad for him though, because he's like, it is his father. The the line where he. Uh, where he goes, he's like, "What I'm about to tell you doesn't make any sense. Won't make any sense at all. But I, I believe there is a ghost in my house, and it's a boy. Yeah, just your father murdered all him, out. and yeah. he changed yeah. And He's like, uh, he has no idea. And he's like, all right, black. What? How much? Yeah, gets out his checkbook. He's yeah. just blackmailing him. Which, which, yeah. which in that scene where he runs to the airport to tell him the entire story. Yeah, that's yeah. another thing. Yeah, thank <laughs> you for never, that. Thank you for that. I'm today. so glad that you remember that because that's the thing I wondered about is when he's like. When he's like, uh, yeah, don't worry sorry. about it. I'll deal with Senator Carmichael. Yeah. And that's how he deals with him. Senator! Yeah. Like, just running. Like, ah! Like, and if yeah, he's a real gonna... senator, he's got four guards on a small little... Pl- what the hell? Yeah, you're not going to get to him, is dude. He, is he from Alaska, too? <laughs> 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 nicely done, nicely done. That's what you get for being in news. Okay, <laughs> now, here's, here's where... Uh, now, we've come to this pinnacle. We've talked about this before on this podcast. This movie has come up. This movie came up when we were talking about Dark City. We are okay. talking about great movies, great premise, great everything. Like, we're talking last five, ten minutes. Kind of, doesn't totally blow it. No. But you go, you get, the, you get the feeling that there's an original cut of it somewhere yeah. that's awesome and subtle and tasteful. I thought and the then whole... the producers go, nope. Yeah. We... We've got we've got about seventy five thousand dollars worth of pyrotechnics sitting in that van over there. We're gonna fucking use them, and they do. 
And it doesn't ruin the movie, but it just amps it up to this level where you're like, eh, did the yeah. staircase really have to light on fire? Well, did, I thought the whole... Like, the whole uh, wheelchair, wheelchair chasing. It, it was almost laughable. It really <laughs> is. It really is. It's and like it's too the bad. one part that kind of strays away where you're just like, oh, it, you, you know, it, it doesn't ruin it. Like you said, it, great example with Dark City. Like you said, that's uh, that's totally reminiscent. Of yeah, it just doesn't like, ruin it. You just go, oh, oh you yeah. almost there, almost Cause, there. Cause, yeah, because you're watching it, like not to stray away on Dark City, but you're getting there, and it's finally that part where you got Kiefer, and he's you know, the head yeah, and you're like, oh, this is gonna be so badass. And then, and then all of a sudden, it, you're you're playing a game. Yeah, all of a sudden, dude. All of a sudden, it, it all of a sudden. It's the fucking it's it's the showdown from Big uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once we like, use my power. Yes. So uh, and and then he gets Jennifer Connelly, which just ruins everything. <laughs> now here's the one thing I did like about all the pyrotechnics and all the craziness at the end. Yeah, it it did cool. look it looked great, and the one thing I thought that was cool was it's like the house stayed. The house stayed there and stayed in perfect condition, waiting for Carmichael to come back into it. Yep. And the second he sets foot back into it, the whole thing does the poltergeist fucking cave in on itself. And like, yep. ah, you know, and I did like that aspect that it's like it was waiting for him to come home. And I like that aspect of it. But, you know, and once again, very forgivable because the rest of the movie, the tone of it and the the, the pacing of it is, is fucking great. And obviously the template as we've said for so many other movies. I have one more kind of creepy fact about this movie. Uh, the Changeling was based on a story by a guy named Russell Ellis Hunter, who was a composer in Colorado, and it's supposedly based upon true events. Oh, yeah. I read that. That happened to him. That's fucked up. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, even if the whole senator aspect and all that is the movie-making stuff... But him losing his family and going into this house and having all those things happen, it's like, that's eh, a little, now, that's a little creepy. Now, before we end, <laughs> this is obviously the first part of our, our October thing, and there's four different uh, Halloween type movies that we're yes. doing, and you had four different kind of categories. Categories, right? Which one does this fit into? This fits into the classic. The classic. This fits into the classic ghost story. Okay. Um, I think it has Definitely everything. Does. We have the, you know, we have the mystery. We have the retribution. You know, we we have uh, the main character who is a vehicle within it and is changed by by the by the events that happen in it. You know, and this one, just for those of you that 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 sat through all this and didn't go and see it and are wondering, like, are they just being really nice because it's you know we're getting into Halloween and we're all in the in the mood for that? Seventy seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Cool. So the critics loved it too. Nice. So I do, I do think that it's one of those ones. Oh, it's definitely worth it, especially if you're like me and Gavin, where you haven't seen it or at all, let alone you don't remember it that well, yeah. or, you know that kind of stuff. It's so. definitely worth it for the you know for those uh, of you people that that uh, see a movie and you want to be creeped out in really good traditional kind of classic way without all this CGI bullshit or, or, anything, or, like or gore yeah. or anything like that this is one of those ones so and, and if I may it I personally suggest killing the cell phone turn off the computer so you don't go and you know, <laughs> yeah. like oh, yeah and then you, turn it up really loud yes yeah. yeah. just ki just kill the lights grab a beer and just sit yep mm -hmm. yep you know? and experience it because it's good and George C Scott's a phenomenal actor it and is. it's just a good one okay now so let's go song, ahead and this song. Oh uh, yes, and before uh, 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 before we uh, 
well, we are going to the break, but uh, the song that we're going to play, and it's very apropos right now, is the song October Soon by Suspension of Disbelief. So we're going to listen to that, and uh, when we come back, we're going to do our top five haunted house movie cliches. Cool. So, all right, we'll see you in a minute.
Okay. Well, uh, I think uh, we're going to actually do our top five uh, a little early this time just to kind of keep uh, keep up with the, the theme. theme. And after yeah. after the top five, we're going to get into our uh, fourth installment of the film festival, High Noon. High Noon. Uh, before we start, I think we should acknowledge Mr. Newman passing. Oh, Paul I know. Newman, yeah, yeah we just barely did uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Unfortunately, probably yeah. not a tribute. To yeah, it <laughs> wasn't really a tribute. Not that we, like, slaughtered the movie or anything, no. but, you know, it was, it, it's, it had its moments, and he was incredibly charming in it. He was great. Cool hand Luke. Yeah, God, cool Road man. to Perdition. Oh, He's so good in that. I was th- That's one of the ones I was thinking of was Road to Perdition, like, talk mm-hmm. about, like, uh, what was it? what's another good one? Uh, uh, Color Slap money. Shot. <laughs> Slap shot. Color of money though. Uh, Color money. Color yeah, money. He's, yeah, he's great in that. And the prequel to that, I can't remember the name to it, where he's uh, bowing fats. Oh, what was it? Really? It, it, the, it's a prequel to. No, no, no. Color of money is a sequel to one he did about two decades earlier. Really? Where he was a shooter. I didn't even know about this. Anybody that knows the name of it, go ahead and write it into us so that we can mention it because I don't I don't even know if I and, and then you can ridicule me on the website for being a complete idiot not knowing anything. Perfect. Better. Actually, that's usually my job. <laughs> is that I go, he's the guy that was in the thing with the other guy, and then he and then Paulcher says what it is. I'm just amazed that I stumped you with a film that I don't even know the name to. See? 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 I don't that's why that's why we're called amateurs. <laughs> All right. We are award winning amateurs, but that's we right. are still amateurs. <laughs> So this top five and uh, the top fives for the rest of the month uh, for these uh, uh, Halloween-centric horror movies that we're doing, uh, rather than going with, like, oh, this actor or this movie or those kinds of things, we're going with cliches. This week is going to be the haunted house movie cliches. The things that appear every time that you watch, uh, 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 maybe not every time, but I'm going to go with, like, 70 to 80% of the time that you watch. Yep. (laughs) A haunted house movie, these things have to happen. You will and, find four of these five things. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I, I know you probably don't have a list, but if you, uh, you know, chime in or whatever. Do, yeah, do you anything. Have a list? They, N- no, I can just, you know, just fill off in the with top you of your guys. head. All right, I like it. We'll probably cover a lot of bases. Yeah, uh, so. we might have very similar ones because, <laughs> sure I mean, I think that they're. Uh, do you do you want to go ahead and, and sure. start off with I'll your number five? I'll go ahead and start with, uh, you know, I didn't really number these, but I'll just kind of pick and choose here. Uh, my number five is uh, The Phone Never Works Ooh. In, in a Haunted House. This is true. Never. This is true. Even in the Changeling, uh, oh, they haven't connected you, you, you up with the whatever. Yeah, like, oh, that's strange. Well, yeah, it always Like happens. I said earlier, they took their time to put, you know, the phone booth in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> exactly. That yeah, they don't have that. Yeah, that phone yeah. works. Yeah. We actually don't know if that phone works. <laughs> that's true. The family died too soon. No, the phone not working. That's a good one. Well, that's an obvious out, too, for, you know... I need help, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. Of course it doesn't work. So the ghost must control the phone company or something. I don't yeah, know. I don't know how the electronics work with, you know. Well, I didn't ghosts. pay the bill. What yeah. do you want? <laughs> My number five, uh, the dead don't know it. The dead don't know that they're the dead. Oh. The dead have no clue that they're the dead. They think that they're still alive. They're trying to walk around the house. And you see this You see this in the switcheroo kind of thing, you know. like. And once again, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. You know how the top fives work. We just... We ruin movies consistently. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you've got your your sixth sense. You've got the others. If you want to go back to some of the, the the earlier movies, I mean, I even think that the Changeling could fit in with that. That the kid still is saying help, help, help. Mm-hmm. But the dead not knowing it is a huge contributing factor to the haunted house movie, and that's why they're you know they're trying to get their mysteries solved and for people to understand like what happened. So that's my number five. Cool. 
You're... Which you gotta think they're pretty stupid ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> to, to me, there's a bit of you know <laughs> going on right there because you you don't really know your dad yet. You're telling people who can't see you help me. You know? Right, 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 but, right. Like, at what point do you lose perception? <laughs> I gotta say though, they play it off really well in Sixth Sense, though. As far as I would say, also in the others, in yeah. the others they did too, where they played it off really well. That I mean, which realistically, I'm just thinking about it. Like, just get the fuck out of the house. It's yeah. just a fucked up house. Like, well, and. But they had a six-month agreement. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Why is that always happened in, in, in the haunted That's house? That's actually like, my next one. Six-month agreement on really? the house. Now, <laughs> my next one is actually probably the most obvious one out of all these. My number four is they... You always have to go and investigate the strange noise. I'm sure that's on. Oh yeah, side. oh yeah. It's it's actually not, but you're that's, absolutely that's right. That's definitely uh, uh, that's closer to a hundred percent. Yeah, and it's always the it's it's it's, it's almost always the teenage girl that has to go oh, and by herself uh-huh. to to find panties. out what's that sound. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That might actually go better in the slasher movie uh, 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 top five, but it definitely is like. Or the let's split up. That's yeah. always a good one, yeah. too. Oh, Either one of one. those. The let's split up or the let's go investigate that sound. And let's don't turn on any lights. No. Look, I understand. We've seen all of our friends die in front of us. <laughs> and it's probably a bad idea to not have witnesses. But you go that way toward the screaming. And I'll head this way toward the screeching metal. And if one of us dies, we Very are not nice. to go that way. Uh, my number four... Is the walled up room. The oh. walled up room. The hidden room. Well, we have it in the changeling. Rosemary's baby. Rosemary's baby, yep. we have it. We have it in uh, uh, what we were just talking about, the orphanage. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have it in Amityville Horror. Um, Definitely a good you one. You know, we, we have it. We have it in all of these movies where it's like, just like, okay, the orphanage. Perfect example. Great movie. Phenomenally done. Yeah, I, we talk I, about I, I, love, <laughs> I love that movie. But. You didn't know there was a basement the size of a fucking aircraft <laughs> hangar, like in, like under the house. Yeah, nothing else in the house. I mean, you know, I I, re, I used to remodel houses. I, uh-huh. you know, you there's nothing that you were like. I wonder if there's something down there. Yeah, we've remodeled the rest of the house. I wonder if I may toss in a few more other film names: House on Haunted Hill. Perfect. Uh, the haunting, mm-hmm. the, you know, the original haunting. Yeah, yeah. Both that and the sequel. You know, you've got giant mansions. Uh, I guess Bruce Wayne didn't want to buy. <laughs> they still have a fucking bat cave in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've got tons of space, and who has time to explore everything? Yeah, really. Like, like yeah, like Bruce Wayne. Like, uh, you know, I'll be honest. I don't think I've ever been in this room before. Because <laughs> even I noticed. Like, I recently watched the old '66 Batman movie, uh-huh. and. Like part of it's such a ridiculous film, but even the minor things are ridiculous. Like Batman goes to the Batcave, and there's Robin doing homework in the Batcave. <laughs> like if you're, if you're Dick Grayson, you have this mansion with you know forty other rooms. You had to come down you're here. You're gonna go into the Batcave. Get, get costume to do your homework. <laughs> he's in costume. Yes, oh, he's, in, he's in the Robin costume. costume. Like I don't want to go off. Key here. <laughs> no, no, no. This, is good. Like, like, this show is all about tangents, please. <laughs> and I've probably just suggested your name. Film, if you're going to hit it after I would Halloween. say that sounds like a lot. He gets two clues from the Riddler and he goes down the bat pole. And if you remember the, the old, 
the old uh, series, there's like a little lever you can hit yeah, yeah, as yeah. to whether you can get in a costume or not. So right there you know, he's in costume, Robin's in costume, they both hit this lever. <laughs> he had to get in a costume to do homework. That's awesome. You know, you know? what would be great about that is it's kind of that, it's, it's that kind of a thing where like, you know, I'll go outside and I'll pull out my lighter and then realize I forgot my cigarettes. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. I wonder if just, like, you go down the pole, it's, like, Pavlovian, like, you hit the lever, you know, and you're like, I just came down here from my fucking wallet. Now I'm in the suit. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take me ten minutes to get out of this fucking thing. <laughs> but being the geek that I am, I've seen all the episodes, including the two where he hits it so he doesn't get in the costume. So it's not like he's an idiot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But he gets to the bottom, and then, you know, just to add on to this, he, he has two clues in the middle, and he's like, Robin, tell me if these hit you the way they hit me. What writes like a pen and peels like a banana? A ballpoint pen, or a ballpoint banana, you know, correct. <laughs> oh, my God. What people are always in a hurry? Russian people? Russians! Precisely. Oh, my fucking <laughs> it, it gets better. Precisely, Robin. Now, put those together, and what do you get? Tonight, somebody Russian is going to slip on a banana peel and break their neck. <laughs> Precisely. The only possible outcome. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. That is so That's the 66 Batman. That's Adam West? Yeah, Adam oh West and Burt Ward with all four of the... It's just got... Like, just gr it's, it's groovy. <laughs> it's groovy! Like, like the They're dumb, swinging cats. Dumbfounded Irish cop. He's just like, oh, this is a mighty riddle. <laughs> er. Riddler. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Like, you just barely that put that together great. off the top of his head. Oh, nice. <laughs> All right, well, let me get into my number three. <laughs> Go for it. This one uh, probably ties in with the last one, but uh, the women always seem to take a shower at the worst times. Yes. Yes. A uh, uh, good example of that, the Psycho. Or I would say the grudge. Yeah. The grudge. Yeah, like, oh, you know. I know that there's some, uh, you know, phantasm that's bent on killing me, chasing me, but boy, I feel dirty. Yeah. Time for a shower. Yeah. And then you don't see anything, so, you know, as a fan of Buffy, I was pretty upset about that. <laughs> but, no. but for what's worth, that one kind of strays away from most of the cliches. Not it, true. It does have a hidden room. What, the attic? <laughs> no, well, the, it has the, the one room that they're not supposed to go in that, that has the little closet in it that has oh, all the stuff yeah, in yeah, it, right, you know? Right, right. Like, okay, all right. the pictures and the journals and all I, that. It's still the creepy hidden room. I recant. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, can I, can, I go, can I go with mine? Yep, can I go okay, with mine here? My number three, the Carol Ann Factor. There's always a little kid that knows more about everything that's going on <laughs> nice. than everybody else. We can go down the fucking line on this one, okay? You've Polter got your poltergeist, yeah. you've got the shining, you've Stir got the sixth sense, you've got Stir of Echoes, the ring. I mean, the list goes on and on of the creepy, slightly psychic kid that knows everything that's going on. Yet, it's still a kid, so they still think that maybe it's a it's a play it's a playmate. It's not really this evil, horrible thing that's gonna like eviscerate everybody and kill them. Nice. It's still like it's a little kid. It's I'm fun. surprised we don't ha we haven't had the same one yet. That's good. Yeah, no, this is really good. All right, well, they just really play good. off the idea that you know they're so used to imaginary friends. Exactly. How yes. bad could it be to have someone that's just killed the neighbor? And I have to go out on a limb here and say fuck that shit. Even when I was a little kid and had an imaginary friend, <laughs> if some like pale faced like the fucking kid from from the the grudge, like, yeah, and like came out of a closet, like, you want to play with me? 
I no. <laughs> fuck you. I don't want to. No. Go away. No. It's like the Haley Joel Osment thing. Yeah, you'll be in therapy. Well, that's, that's what, what would happen. That's what happens when you watch Pokemon too much. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. You're just like yeah. You're slightly epileptic anyway. Yugi. So these things happen. He's just peeking over the corner. Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that actually kind of gave me goosebumps. All right, All right. Go. My number two is. The scary thing around the corner that jumps out 95% of the time is a cat. <laughs> Ooh, very good. Yeah, well, and I, I think that we can even go a blanket statement beyond that and say the thing, like, the thing that pops out yeah, is like never the thing or something, yeah. until you've calmed down and realized, oh, it's just some stray cat in my, <laughs> instead of being like a normal person, like, okay, well, that killer ghost is still here somewhere, so let's get the cat out of here so we know it's not the cat, and then go find the thing instead of like, whew, boy, I sure am glad all that creepy stuff stopped, and it must it must have all been the cat. It must have all, it's probably fine, you know? Those bleeding walls were probably the cat, too. Yeah. You know? And yeah, and then the fucking scary thing happens. Yep. The anticipation. Um, my number two is the, but wait. Because every one of these movies, and, and the Changeling included, has the... We've found the boy. We've we've given the records over. Everyone knows what's happened now. Like, you know, Poltergeist is another great example of, like, oh, everything's fine. This house is clean. You yeah. have that whole thing happen. And then all holy hell breaks loose after that. You have fucking corpses running amok. Calm before There's the like, storm. Yeah, the house fucking burns down and collapses on itself into another dimension. Total anarchy. Every fucking time. It never just, like, ends and, like, oh, that was it. But, yep. that, but easy that's the peasy. that's the story behind most every zombie movie that you've got because you never kill them all. No, you no, know, the, there's always that one, and it's not even for you know sequel purposes. It's just the idea that no, no, seriously, you think just because you slaughtered an entire mall full of zombies that this is over? that's the end of it? Never, yeah, because and here's the thing, and, and I I do this as a rule now if I'm watching a horror movie like this that I haven't seen before. You watch it and you watch it and you watch it and then like. It ends. They 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 kill Michael Myers, or they they you know the the exorcist comes in and and the the demon is gone. Look at your watch. Yeah. Because if you're at like eighty two minutes, yeah, you you're good to go. You've got you've got like another fifteen before you're finally through it. Yeah. And if they immediately start playing the da 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 everything will be okay music, you're fucked <laughs> because they never end that way. It's always going to end and be dead quiet, and then the creepy little piano starts playing. That's how horror movies end. Yeah. They don't end with the great big swelling music. Like, no. Yep. You've got 15 more minutes. Yeah, because very few movies end with a credit roll like The Matrix. You know? <laughs> like, and go start flying. Cue Rage Against the Machine. Let's make it happen. <laughs> now he can fly. First he knew karate. Now he can fly. Um, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do... Uh, is it, is it you? Oh, you're number one. My number one. Um, the... Uh, People never run out the front door. They always run out the back door into like a field or a forest or somewhere where it's completely not accessible to anything. Completely agree with that. In fact, I'm going to go one addendum on yours with that. Or they get everybody out okay. And I'm, I'm speaking to somebody who, you, you know this about me, but I love my dogs. If the house was collapsing in on itself from entities from another plane of existence, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'll, I'll apologize now, guys. I'm sorry. I'm leaving the fucking dogs. And they never do. Like, we forgot Woofy. And somebody <laughs> runs back in the house and you're like, dude, I'm sorry. If there is like, 
it, like flesh eating skulls flying around my house. No, like I'm, I'm, you know, like like you should have known. You knew about the goddamn ghosts before any of us did. You were chasing them around just like poltergeists. Like yep. the dog knew that there was spirits in the house. You knew way before we did, dude. If you weren't long gone, like an hour ago. I got I got no qualms you run about to it. The you're the most non-accessible place possible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not to mention like you're a mildly sentient being. They're probably just gonna leave you alone. Even like the howling <laughs> when we did the howling, same thing happened. Same there, fucking thing. Know? Yeah, they run off like like like. Well, there's the road. There's a wolf but there's some there, there's some woods <laughs> filled with fog. <laughs> yeah, let's go run in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because nobody lives in a standard neighborhood anymore. Oh, every, every there is no backyard to any of these homes. It's always well, we we decide to be aesthetic and threw a bunch of rocks at the waterfall. Back yeah, there. and how the fuck does that work anyway? Though, like even in Poltergeist, like after everything that's happened, like the neighbors. I mean, finally at the very tail end of it, the neighbors come out. Mm-hmm. But all the shit that's happened <laughs> up till then, like they're just like like you wouldn't even just call the cops and be like. Dude, I don't know what's going on. They've got laser Floyd going on in there or something. There's lights and smoke. Like, please come over. Oh, you know, I, I always tell people, you know what? It was the '80s. The neighbors were probably doing just as bad stuff, but they didn't realize it was real. Right? Like, he's having it. He's having an issue with his three color projector screen that I had in the '80s. I don't know. Something's like, going listen, on. man. I don't know if. This is my imagination. He's but been there's playing something going on. He's over been playing there. that aha video like over and over. Okay, my number one, and I think this might this might be the the jewel in the crown when it comes to the haunted house cliche movie. Always, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go across the board and say, ninety percent of the time, an old or ethnic person. Yep. Knows the secrets of what's going on in there. All right. So, so we're talking about an old person, or and they can be old, or a black person, or a Native American person. Mm-hmm. Knows the secrets can come in, even if they've never even fucking been to the house. They show up at some point and go, "That house is, you know, like yeah. whatever." They have some like bit of knowledge. Who was it in the Changeling though? The old lady that works at the Historic Society. That house doesn't want people. Yeah. (laughs) Always. Every fucking time. You got Zelda Rubenstein and and Poltergeist. (laughs) You got Scatman Crothers in 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 The Shining. Um in uh uh in Poltergeist Two, you've got the old Native American guy that comes in. This this ground has gone sour. (laughs) There's always somebody. You've got fucking uh uh What's the what's the the monster's dad in in fucking Pet Cemetery? Yeah. Every time you've got this guy who's like old and weathered and knows about the world and he'll tell you what's happening. He lived through the shit. I've been there. Look, I've seen it. In 1927, mm-hmm. let me tell you, mm-hmm. there was a yes. There was a giant sacrifice that happened here. Nineteen goats, and you don't mm-hmm. quite understand. But it's not even. But it's not. They're not going to go into that much detail. They're going to be very oblique about it. Oh, like, yeah. like, like the older, like the older, like the older. Sort of a uh, copycat Scatman Crothers in The Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. A door has been opened for your husband. Yeah. That dude, remember? Like, every fucking cross the board, man. Mm-hmm. Every time. So that's my number one. Cool. I think that was a good I think that was a good yeah, list. We covered a lot of bases there. Fucking hey, man. Did you have any ones that you could think of? M- minor, more minor addendums. Never trust the music. Yeah, there, definitely. There will never, ever, I don't care what movie you see, and I defy anybody who's listening to prove me wrong. There's never a movie where there's a buildup of violins or trumpets or any or any sound going on. Right. 
and all of a sudden at the end of this, there's your guy. You're it's always oh cat. The light bulb's just out. And then whatever, yeah. Then there's 10 seconds of silence. You turn around. Yeah, and then it fucking happens every time. That's even how they cut trailers too. Because oh yeah, because even in the change lane. Well, yeah, there's no. It, you have the music soundtrack, and it's a good soundtrack mm-hmm. when listening to it. But it's never, you know, it's just when it's scanning the house and it's doing the shining moment where yep. it's showing you everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you, you get that eerie feeling, but at the end of it, if you're expecting something to happen by the end of this song, besides that one note he couldn't get to play, yeah, you're an idiot. You're totally <laughs> right. Although I will say, uh, uh, Probably, uh, and I, I, I would have mentioned this when we were doing it, and I totally forgot about it. For me, probably one of the biggest scares, there isn't even the build-up and then the fake scare. It's when, it's after he brings uh, um, uh, the Trish Van Vanderveer, mm-hmm. uh, her character, over to the house and lets her hear the tape, and she's crying and comes into the room. He tries to comfort her, and then she backs out and looks up the stairs and is just like, <gasps> and petrified, but there's no music. And then he looks up, and then we get the music, and the wheelchair is sitting at the top of the stairs. Yeah. That's a great scare because it doesn't do the buildup. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool one. It's just you just see her reaction first, and you're like, ah, what was she looking at? Like, <laughs> Anyway, anyway. All right, cool. so anyway, that's, that's our first installment of our four-part series of... Uh, I don't want to call them horror movies because, like, The Changeling wasn't a horror movie. When you think of horror movie, you think of, like, total gore. Yeah. But, you know, uh, uh, Halloween-centric scary movies. Our second installment... Oktoberfest. Our Oktoberfest. (laughs) Oh, and if I I may add one more addendum. Yes. Must be horrible tragedy. Can't be guy that's saved five kids before the roof caved in on the fire. (laughs) Always has to be, well... This kid had, like in the Changeland, <laughs> this kid had something wrong with him, so let's just choke the life him. out yeah. and throw his body down a well. That is <laughs> such a good point, it every can, time. It cannot, you know, it can't just be, well, we buried on some burial ground. It had to be an Indian burial ground that you defiled <laughs> in the process of construction. Yeah, even even Poltergeist, where it's they moved the house on top of a regular cemetery, <laughs> there is the beast. That's 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 yeah. like there's regular haunting and then there's the main ah thing underneath it. And the, that's a great point. And the greatest example probably is the sixth sense and every ghost in there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like nobody a, just the, died. The girl yeah. who got the girl who died poisoned and got poisoned poisoned by her yeah. stepmom. She yeah. couldn't have died from the disease, quote unquote disease. That right. Was like a her. real disease. There <laughs> had to be a videotape to show that this girl didn't just die; she suffered. Yeah. Well, I guess is why. I mean, by by uh, folklore standards, why a ghosts even exist? As long as we're getting into that conversation, yeah. right? I mean, it's always the tragedy, fucked up thing that happens. It's yeah. not just so. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no, that's a good one. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, well, my little so, I'm sure it's just totally overshoot mine. <laughs> <laughs> so we've done the classic haunted house. Uh, next week we're going to do uh, the modern classic, the modern. Uh, uh, I mean, you don't have to call it a classic if you want, but I, I would say really the modern um, sea change as far as horror movies go. Uh, we're going to be doing Danny Boyle's Twenty Eight Days Later. Um, the running zombie movie. The running zombie movie. Along with that will be a top five list of top five uh, zombie movie cliches. Zombie movie cliches, not zombie movie. Uh, not zombie cliches, not the actual zombie itself, but the zombie movie. Oh, it could be either one. Okay. I think any any of the cliches in a movie that, that, that uh, 
has zombies as its main sort of uh, gotcha. point. So okay. we'll do that, and uh, so, I guess, do you want to just get into yeah, our... Yeah, let's, uh, let's get into our fourth installment of uh, the film Westable. Film Westable. This is, uh, we're going to do High Noon, uh, 1952. Fred is this the oldest movie we've ever done? Uh, I'm trying to think, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, when was that made? I want to say it was l later than this. Hmm. I, I'm pretty sure this is the oldest I'm one. I'm thinking that one's late 50s. Yeah, but I think it's a little bit old. Don't quote me, I don't have... I want to say, say it is. Um, but uh, Gary Cooper, Grace Kelly, Lloyd Bridges. Lloyd Bridges? <laughs> Lloyd Bridges looking like an, a young Emilio Estevez. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Well, you know, Didn't you, you see know that? who that his sons are, right? Jeff Bridges, the dude. Right, right. And uh, Bo Bridges, um, really? who is in... Uh, I, I, I was kind of lost in what he's in right now. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he definitely looks... I think he looks like, like Emilio uh, Estevez. I can see that, yeah. That's who I think that he looks like. There's actually... I love the I love the, the intro, kind of the bad dudes showing up into town. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, that's obviously kind of set the tone for this. This is Bill Clinton's favorite movie ever. This is Bill Clinton's favorite movie <laughs> He watched ever. it 17 times while he was in office. This beat out American Pie, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this much. It's told in real time. It is. That's that is so such great. an interesting uh, uh, vehicle. I wasn't Storytelling vehicle. Especially for how old. For how old it is. Yeah. I think that is, that's, I mean... It's, I, you know, and I wasn't expecting that as far as the story... You know, plot point or twist. Or yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, and I guess you think about it, it's called High Noon, so I guess it makes sense. It, to de it definitely way. does. I mean, you know, from when it starts, he has like an hour and 20 minutes to like figure all this shit out. It's but, pretty interesting. You know, basically, um, the sheriff just gets married, he retires, and of course, he's headed out of town. Half an hour that he's leaving to go off to a new life, the bad dudes show the up. The bad dudes show up. But. And it's, of course, bad dudes that he has history with. Now, here's the thing, though. It, the most interesting thing to me is that this movie takes... God, you know, it's so strange to me. Like, I I, I never consider myself somebody, though, that likes Westerns. Mm -hmm. I just, you know... I, I, I And I feel bad saying that now because I think I had preconceived notions about Western movies. And now watching them, even this... Even, even a movie like High Noon... That should have existed in this era of of the very classic tale of the Western plays with some ideas of not just morality but with uh, society and what you think should be happening and what actually is happening mm -hmm. in a way that's very subversive and very interesting that I didn't I didn't see coming and I I I use this as an example that we have the classic story here the sheriff gets married. The new sheriff is coming in tomorrow. The bad guys show up right as he's leaving town. And gosh darn it, he just can't do it. He's got to go back and yep. be the sheriff. And nobody wants him there. That's what I thought was great. Was that was a, that threw me for a fucking loop. You, you expect the cookie cutter response of, please help us. Thank you for coming back. Yeah. When really it's like, when this town was a bad town... There was more revenue, you know. We we had the you know the, these guys brought in other gangsters and they brought in like prostitution well, and, and gambling and like we all did great. And most of it's, the movie, the bad guys are really just waiting at a train station. They're just sitting they're at a train station. Doing stop. anything no. bad? No, it's like the idea of but them. It's the idea. For, they're waiting for the 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 noon train to come, and um, 
Gary Cooper's nemesis is basically on that train, I think, right? Frank Miller. Yeah. By the way, his funny, name yeah. is Frank Miller. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, which I was actually, I was going to try and cheat and try and link that to link from Sin City to that as my movie link, but I thought better of it in the last minute because I thought you'd call <laughs> bullshit on me. Yeah, but I mean, how often does that fucking happen, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, it never happens. But, uh, you know, I just think that, it, that this movie really... Uh, deals with this uh, this concept of what one person considers to be good and considers to be evil versus all these other different perspectives of what other people see. And that at the end of the day, Gary Cooper's character, man, he just gets beat the fuck down. Like, not physically, yeah. but, but emotionally He's and like, spiritually. He's like, that I served for... Years that I felt like I saved, yeah. that I felt like I saved, could give a fuck about me. They all really want me to leave, and they want these guys, these bad guys, to come back in and bring all this bullshit well, with them. They just think it's all for nothing. They're like, what are you doing here? Just get out of here. We can handle it, kind of thing. Well, yeah. not even we can handle it. Like, this is the way it was before just you came here. And, like, yeah, it wasn't as safe, but, boy, we made more money. And, like, we don't really care. And then it comes down to, to his own ideology of... I know what's right and I know what's wrong and I don't care if any of you guys are going to agree with me. I got to I got to do this, you know? And that's it's funny it's uh, really interesting how fast word travels <laughs> in movies like this. Right, right? Like, yeah, it's like, quick. And uh, and coming back to almost uh, one of the examples you gave to the horror movies you have the old foreign Indian lady who I actually think was one of the best actors oh, easily. in the whole movie. Easily. She easily. was incredible. Miss Hernandez, I think. Is yeah, the yeah, yeah. Old Mexican lady. Mm -hmm. uh, not Indian. I, I said Indian, but uh, she, I th I'm pretty sure she's Mexican. Yeah, lady. yeah, yeah. But, man, she is great. She really No, liked. she did a great job. Uh, Lon Chaney Jr., a uh, very small role, but he did a great job of just, like, really showing the cowardice of that town mm. where... He hides Which in the back. He's the one. He had the little mustache, and you know you can see it's Lon Chaney. He's got the big nose, and <laughs> he hides in the back room and tells his wife, I'm, "Tell tell him I'm gone." Is that and the guy who works the hotel? No, he he's only in this in this one scene, and he hides in the back room. And his wife goes up and tells uh, uh, Cooper, like she's you know he's not here, and it's the most painful scene because you you know that he probably heard them talking. Yeah. Before he comes to the door, and it's like kind of the last bastion of like, okay, I guess I am really truly fucked. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, whatever. I have to say that my favorite device in this movie um, that I, I felt like was one of those things, and we talk about this all the time, and I don't want to fucking sound like some kid that hasn't seen older movies and understands uh, that. There's reasons why these are good movies. There's reasons why they're legendary. They're still around, yeah. And the reason why they're still around. But you think that it's going to be for this one atypical classic reason, mm -hmm. right? That it's it's going to be this one way. Like, oh, but they're so good and the acting's so good and blah, blah, blah. And that does happen a lot. And it's sad that it happens a lot because, you know, a lot of the acting between uh, 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 Cooper and Grace Kelly feels ham-handed, we've talked about this before, feels ham-handed, if for no other reason than we've seen parodies of that kind of acting so much mm -hmm. that it's hard to take it seriously because you think you're watching Airplane for a minute. You think that you're watching something that, that's been made fun of where he's grabbing her and going, <laughs> you, listen here, see? You know, and yeah. that's, that, that's just atypical for movies from that genre. But the part that just really stuck with me that I thought was amazing is the song at the beginning. Mm-hmm. 
And the first time that you hear it, I know for me, I was like, yeah, like it's a song about what's going to happen in the movie. Yeah. And I've got to do what's right to save my lady. You know, it's this kind of a song. And it's like, this thing won a fucking Academy Award. This song did like, what the fuck? Right. But then here's what happens. As he keeps getting turned down, people are saying, I'm not going to fight with you, dude. Just get the fuck out of town. Like, we can deal with it. Just let it go. Bad guys come and go. Just let it go. And he keeps saying, no, I've got to do this. And people keep turning their backs on him over and over and over again. Every time he leaves somebody's house after they've told him, like, basically, fuck off. Like, leave town. Every time he leaves, that song starts playing again. And as the movie progresses and gets darker and darker and darker, you keep hearing that song. And it starts to get more and more fucked up every time you hear it. You know, that it's like... He still knows that he has this obligation to do I didn't this thing. The, the song playing over. It does every time he gets back out there. It's playing, and I was like, "God, that's so fucked up, man." Because like by the end of the movie, and it's playing as he's doing the 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 walk up to them, you know, like in the middle of the street to fight with them. He doesn't even want to do it anymore. He doesn't even like these fucking people. Yeah. He realizes that they're all a bunch of douchebags, and that song is still relentlessly playing in the background. And I was like. That is a phenomenal uh, cinematic technique that by that ending, that song still playing is like, makes it really dark. Because it's like, this dude for all intents and purposes is going to die for just something he believes in, not even for the people there anymore. And that song is like, it's like his, it's like this, this asshole version of Jiminy Cricket (laughs) on his soul. You know what I mean? On his shoulder just being like, you still got to do the right thing. And he's like. It's like he hates the song by the end of it. I don't know. I thought it was a great a great little moment in there that kept popping up. For sure. But I think cool. it kind of falls into the era, and not to like completely blame it on the era, but you're still talking about movies just coming out of their heyday, and people are still trying to figure out how to work them and make them work for an audience. You know? Right, right. Not have, you know, just it's playing in two major cities, and that's the only audience that's ever going to get to see it, but it's the whole idea that it has to appeal to everyone. When you look at books, and you're reading books on a hero who's going through, and he has to deal with the situation, Mm -hmm. even though he's getting the crap beat out of him, even though he doesn't like what he has to do, even though by the time he's done with it, he's really questioning, why am I bothering to do it? At least in the book, it's telling you, no, I have a moral obligation because I know what's right and wrong. Movies, you don't have that. Movies, you got to play off of the emotion of the character, and if you really have an audience that doesn't get it, you gotta, you gotta give it to them in, in a different in, way. Especially in the 50s and 60s, sometimes you gotta hammer it into their head. That's a good point. That's so a good point, too. I mean, when, that's... So when the song's introduced and you keep hearing it over and over again, you got that little section of the audience that, you know, they're there because it's a film and they were drug along and they don't really get what's going on. <laughs> this is... Even back then. <laughs> this is this is the Hollywood way of saying, okay, look, here, let me let me ABC this for you. He is he, our hero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Here's our hero, and he's got to do good. And every time... Well, I think even back, then, <laughs> even back then, you still had that the hero wore white and the bad guys yep. wore black mm-hmm. and that they're smoking and spitting tobacco. And, but this know. is also a changing of an era because if you kind of look back at Westerns before this, it's always that cookie-cutter premise that you talked about where, you know... Hero goes away, bad things happen, town says, oh, we made a terrible mistake, can you yeah. help right, us? Right, and, right. and here comes Dashing Hero to save the day in a now, good fight. Now, I agree with that, although, and here is, this might lend, lend a, a, shed some new light on a lot of this movie and a lot of why things happen the way that they do and that everywhere he goes, he's getting shut down 
and he still feels this strange need to do this thing that he thinks is right, even though everybody else is telling him it's not. I wanted to find it, and I, I couldn't find it because I can't bring the internet up, and I'm sure Mark Middlemiss will have no problem telling me the guy's name and everything <laughs> about him when he writes in. Uh, but the man who wrote this uh, was in the process of writing and making this movie when he was subjected uh, to the Joe McCarthy hearings on Un-American Oh, I, yeah, the blacklist. Uh-huh. And he was blacklisted. Mm-hmm. And he basically had everyone that he'd ever worked with turn their backs on him, point fingers. And when he was, like, you know, 20, he was part of, like, he went to some communist meetings or something. And, and that they, they basically were like, well, that's it, you're fucked. Uh, and a lot and, of it was John Wayne, too. And it was John Wayne. And John Wayne calls this movie, High Noon, one of the most un-American films ever made. Because at its premise, it's talking about that idea, you know, of being blacklisted and what it means, and to have all these people turn their backs on you. And I think that it's so telling after we get to the very end of High Noon, and after he's won the day and shot the bad guys, that he looks at all the townspeople that are standing around and trying to congratulate him, and he takes off that star, mm-hmm. his sheriff star, and throws it on the ground. You know, and I, I know that the original story for this was, was called Tin Star, that was, oh, really? and it was that idea, tin star, That's right? A good name like, for a movie. yeah, it's like the idea of this is a badge, but it doesn't fucking mean anything if you don't believe the stuff that's behind it. Yeah. And the believing in the stuff behind it has nothing to do with being the hero. That a lot of times being the hero means being the douchebag, you know, to other people. And I, I, I think that those those points, like once I, I saw the movie, then I started doing research on it. And I found that stuff out, and it was like, wow, like. That opened up so much to me of, of, of why I thought I was getting those tones in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you can watch a movie and be like, I got this out of it. And somebody else can be like, no, sorry. But knowing that that, that, that backstory for it, I, I, I really appreciated it a lot more, I think. Yeah. So it, did, as far as ranking it on the other ones that we've watched so far, we... Uh, and I hate, I hate doing it, but... I you know I know Wild Bunch is your favorite probably Wild Bunch is my favorite so far it just fucking is man but this one I I really I think the 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 point of it being in real time the point of it playing against type for all of the townspeople mm-hmm. and 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 getting little snippets of their lives of like their motivations and from the from the the standpoint of Gary Cooper it's seeming like that's pretty fucking shallow dude like you got to do the right thing here. Mm-hmm. I liked all those elements so much, and I I want. It's hard to say. I don't want to say it. Yeah. it really is, and I don't want to say that I feel like the fact that it was old and the fact that it was black and white, and then it did these things and made me feel this way. Bumped it up there. They actually colorized this movie as well, too. Oh, they should and, never. Well, and I'm the director s- didn't want it to, but like. Ted Turner ended up doing it. Of course he fucking yeah. did. Oh, um, God. But the director's like, I made this as a black and white it movie. It is a black and white yeah. movie. I mean, in, in, much the, in much the same way that uh, uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance was, there's just certain scenes that almost look, almost have this feel of a Rorschach test to them. Totally. Where there's the stark white and the black figures against it, and it looks great. Um, I love it. I don't know where to rank it. I'll say yeah, this, I'll say this much it. right off the, before I say anything else, though. Grace Kelly was fucking hot. <laughs> like, really hot. She was cute. She was. Really pretty. Wow. 
And 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 you know, uh, uh, Gary Cooper did whiny. such a great job. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, her character I is, know, you know, know, he's a sheriff, she's a fucking Quaker. What are you going to do? Yeah. She even says that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then she shoots a fucking guy. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of those, that was one of those, holy fuck, she shot that guy. Yeah. Uh, it was a good movie, man. It really I, I, you was know, terrific. Uh, I, I was, you know, it's, it's kind of like, to reiterate one of the points that you said, you know, there's a reason why these are considered classics, and it's not always for the reasons that you think they are you know there's not always yeah there's not always there, there's definitely stuff that's copied because it's a great thing and that's why it's copied but it's it still um as its own movie really still holds its own yeah because there's like there's the original classic tapestry of like why this is a classic movie mm-hmm. and you have all of these kind of now now they're cliched but at the time they were these sure. cinematic icons that were being shown mm-hmm but then behind that is really, really great storytelling and really subversive ideas and really well-placed uh, dialogue and moments that are much more quiet than the uh, standing out there ready for the shootout kind of a thing, you know, mm-hmm. that, are, that are, are not as loud as those moments that are the ones that resonated over the years, but that I think make them even better movies. You know, or these things in totally. the background, these little stories that are being they told. They hold the test of time. Definitely. And so I just, you know, I don't know. I, as far as ranking, let's wait till next week. Next week's the final installment. We're going to do the good, <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. And after that, I think we can actually rank them one, uh, the, uh, uh, one to four. And yeah, uh, I'm really excited for next week. That's awesome. I don't know about you, but I um, have sweat dripping off my balls right now. It is extremely hot. Off your balls? Maybe. Really? It's, it's totally my fault. I yeah. added to the room. It's the... Pit, it, it's the it's yeah. hot in here yeah, is what I'm it's saying. Bad. No. And now, and okay. now, and now it's I'm totally a... wishing I was here next week. <laughs> for the good, the bad, and the ugly? I, or for the ball I have, sweat? I've only seen... For the ball sweat or the good, bad, High and Noon ugly. is another one of those films I saw early, which I should have added in. My grandfather was one of those people that absolutely hated Turner with every flesh and blood bone. <laughs> right, yeah. Because... He was a, a World War II vet, and he came home, and these were the films that he grew up with. And, his, and, and suddenly his somebody's fucking George Lucasing them to the exactly. nth degree, right? Exactly. <laughs> it, it, and, and now I, I suffer through what he suffered through whenever I whenever <laughs> I see, you know, the whole, uh, oh, yeah, we totally want Jobby the Hutt here. No, fuck, dude, wow. yeah, totally. Yeah, but like Greedo shooting first. Yeah. But now I totally see the idea of, well, not, you know, colorization, because I, I would hate, like, I own all of Twilight it's, Zone. Oh, dude, yeah, seriously. All five volumes? I would hate those. And I'm sorry, they don't look good. They look like fucking Shrek. (laughs) So, all right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to do some listener feedback, but uh, we're going to listen to a song by the band Pictures Can Tell. Uh, And the song is called Wash Our Hands and Walk Away. And uh, we'll be back in a minute. Okay. Oh 
Okay, real quick, um, go ahead and open your beer, and uh, then we'll get into some feedback. Yeah, we'll get into some of our listener feedback. We had a couple uh, couple people write in. We had, uh, let's go ahead and start with Brian Staker. He actually uh, has his own podcast called The Awkward Hour. Right, right, uh, right. I still podcast. haven't checked it out. I know you have. Appropriately named. Really? I listened to a, uh, an episode today, and, <laughs> and uh, he admittedly talks about how awkward he is and talks about awkward things and it's one of those things where you're listening and you're just like man why am I listening to this it doesn't really have you know it doesn't it's kind of weird it's kind of like a car crash you know because after <laughs> after, after like you just start listening to it and you're just like oh okay and then 40 minutes have gone by you're like man I have accomplished nothing but it's you know but at the same time I'm just like can't turn this off so it's very Which intriguing Which I guess is a yeah that, that's but, a compliment. Uh, be, beware for the awkwardness it's it's quite awkward but in a good way so. Well and Staker uh, has a couple of good comments. Great comments. Um, uh, a, a couple of geeky points as he mentions uh, across several episodes on best movies based on stage drama talking about Amadeus have you seen the Mr. Show parody? Yes. But instead of Mozart <laughs> Bob Odenkirk plays Falooza yep. yeah the marching band music i love that <laughs> what sweet sound has the angels unleashed upon my ears and it's just the worst shit in the world yeah That's and, right. and yeah the, with uh, david cross is the the version of salieri who just yeah. is in love <laughs> so awesome with like how did you come up with that timing for the that you know it's like fucking marching band music <laughs> amazing uh, I mentioned that. several uh, Shakespeare adaptations. Haven't seen them, but one of my favorites is Peter Greenway's Pospero's books based on The Tempest. You know what? I want to do a cinema uh, uh, film festival of Peter Greenway's because I love Drowning by Numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Zed and Two Knots is almost worth its own episode. I love Peter Greenway. Um, cool. Uh, that's amazing. My Most dinner with Andre was an all-time favorite. A friend and I had a falling out partly because of my liking and his hating it. Buddy, I feel you. I, you know, and not necessarily my dinner with Andre, but other movies of that same ilk that, like, you know, and somebody he, doesn't like it, and you're like, come on! Yeah, like, yeah. He met Wallace Shawn, too, which is oh, pretty awesome. Oh, God, cool. that's inconceivable. Yeah. <laughs> of course you have to say <laughs> that. I love Wallace Shawn. Uh, and then so he, he talks about how we were talking about uh, Robert Downey Jr. Now, we did do that list before Tropic Thunder came out. Yeah, and then we actually did review Tropic Thunder. So yeah, And, um, of course, if we did that list again, Tropic Thunder would be my number one. It, it would be up there, for sure. Phenomenal. Uh, but he said it's a, you know... You know, and he asks us about Pineapple Express. I saw that, and it's pretty good. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. It's, it's pretty good. I still good. haven't seen it. It, it has a, its moments. It is at Breweries this week. This is true. It is at Breweries this um, week. So you can check that out. Um, but, uh... <laughs> One of the funniest things he's ever seen on film, Don't Go Full Retard. Oh, which God. I think you can agree on. That is the worst. Uh, top Gump. five. Top five. Yeah. Forrest Gump. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, top five ensemble movies. Uh, no mention of Robert Altman. Good. Oh, good. Damn it. Good point. That is a very good point. Very good point. Yeah. I mean, we, we miss them. We do, we do miss them. He thinks they may have been an influence on P.T. Anderson. I could oh, see definitely. that. Definitely. The roaming camera. He, he talks like, about yeah. uh, Altman quite a bit in his commentaries. I think. Anderson does. Yeah. Oh, wow. So. Okay. I think you can see it in Boogie Nights. Most totally. definitely. And that's where the commentary I think I've listened to the most is, too. Uh, uh, he really liked it. Uh, you know, listen to his podcast at... It is it is pretty intriguing and he's a really interesting guy. So yeah, definitely. Um, okay, Keith Callister, uh, who said that he's been meaning to write feedback email pretty much every week for the last month, 
but work has kicked his ass. So Aww. we're sorry about that, Keith. Um, <laughs> he has some uh, bullshit from past episodes, and uh, or I guess he's nixed that and gone straight to the Sin City. This movie has to be my very favorite comic book adaptation, along with Nolan's version of Batman. He says, I had a hard time finding anything to complain about. It was just brilliant in style and storytelling. Completely agree. He didn't even mind Bruce Willis just because if someone is playing a washed-up has-been, he is your guy. <laughs> I completely true. agree with that. <laughs> uh, Marv's story, I think, is the most compelling, but as much as I love Mickey Rourke, I think that Clive Owen deserves a nod for his incredible portrayal as Dwight as a pretty conflicted guy just trying to do the right thing, even if that right thing, even though the right thing ever seems to be a choice. Now, I will say this, and I missed it last time, uh, when we did the Sin City, I, I I love Clive Owen's really stark metered American accent because mm-hmm. it fits so well with that character yeah. of Dwight. Well, I think it's he, fucking great. He, that was one of the roles too of him that I didn't really know too much about him. And, and me either. And, and me he either. Was kind really, of, kind of a surprise, but at the same time. With most everyone else in the movie, you have the preconceived notion of what they're going to at least act be like a little bit. Plus, yeah. you've read the read the comics and stuff like that. Right, but right, right. He really, uh, you know, looking back at, after seeing Children of Man and 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 stuff like you that, you get to see what he really did with this character yeah, and, in Sin and City. It, I it totally makes the character agree. a little bit better. Um, he also wanted to add ah, to our. This is so good. This is so good. Brutal Keith. scenes, and you know, I think I had this on my mentions, but we didn't really I have totally many mentions. I totally fucking forgot about uh, it. But he, uh, we left out. Uh, we left out one covered because we probably covered it previously, which is the bottle to the face scene in oh, Pan's lab. God, that is the worst. Which we've actually when we when we it reminded Pan's, me of Irreversible. Yeah, we talked about how Irreversible was that times ten. Yeah, but but still should have been on there. This is this is right up there with it though. I thought yeah, we're, we're Captain Vidal. Just and then goes on as if nothing has happened. Well, exactly, and that's what he says. Is mostly because it's so extremely unexpected, and just as it quick as it happens, it's over. And Captain Vidal just goes along as if nothing has happened. God, it's such a great plot point too, because even though it is this like way over the top, unnecessary, violent scene, it immediately shows you like, oh, okay, this guy's a raging douchebag. Yeah. All right, now we know. That is great. Um, he said that a few weeks ago he was watching Twelve Angry Men uh, and thought that you could do. You could do a black and white film festival, and I like that, and mm. we should do that. I think we should just do a Sydney Lumet film festival. I'm into that, too. <laughs> it's like a, whatever, the last couple of weeks has been like a fucking George C. Scott film festival yeah. anyway. We might That's as well just true. do 12 Angry Men. And, yeah, funny film. There was a great I didn't video. even know yeah. that. It, he says the one from 1957. I didn't even know they remade it. I guess that makes sense, but they, yeah. is it like made for TV? I don't know. Um, also possibly on the waterfront, just because that movie kicks all sorts of ass, and it does. It really does. Mm-hmm. I love On the Waterfront. That's yes. a great one. Um, he says he's looking forward to the Halloween episodes, and that he wants to submit something, but he's in the middle of selling his house, so it might not actually happen. That is a great segue to tell all of you listeners, Sorry. if you want to submit something, a horror movie, or uh, a review of a horror movie, or a horror movie experience, please email us at a adampodcast.com. Uh, or, at gmail.com. Or, or, yeah, dampodcast oh, okay. at gmail.com. Or just go to our website at dampodcast.com and there's all sorts of fun stuff on there and old episodes and reviews of stuff and all. You well, you put it together very nicely. I like you. the color scheme. <laughs> it really works. Um, so thanks, Keith. And uh, the one, yeah. uh, we've, we've got a couple of uh, 
Nice little ones from Mark Middlemas again. I know that he is also uh, doing house stuff, so he doesn't have a lot of time. But he gave us some great uh, um, other uh, Sam Peckinpah movies who did uh, 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 The Wild Bunch, Ride the Country High. Um, he said, for tense, quiet scenes, check out Once Upon a Time in the West. He said it is ridiculously cool. Ridiculously. Yeah, so um, and tomorrow, um, we actually have, an, uh, along with Gavin's interview, we have uh, a spot in Slug Magazine for the month. Oh, shit, well. that comes out tomorrow, huh? It does, it comes out tomorrow. God, I hope I don't so sound go pick like that up at the shit. local underground magazine here, so obviously if you're not in Utah, you can't. But uh, yeah, for those... you can go online to slugmag.com and check it out. Yeah. Real quick, before we end, uh, we just want to say what Bruce Oh, yeah, we got to plug our sponsor. Uh, we, uh, we are... Uh, you pineapple have sponsors? Holy no. ah. Yeah. Pineapple Express is playing. Uh, Dark Knight is still playing, as well as Tropic Thunder are the three major ones. Um, they are also, this week, playing Led Zeppelin concerts, 1970 to 1979. Whoa, that would be <laughs> fucking that would be cool. cool. I think I have that DVD, and, it's, and it is the... Uh, it is the the Led Zeppelin shit you want to see live too. So the good stuff. Very cool. The really tight pants stuff. They're playing Weird Science for free on Monday. Oh man, <laughs> I watched that just a couple of weeks ago. And look, on I the, was I was combing my hair. I was, mom. They're, they're doing a tribute <laughs> to Paul Newman playing Slapshot. There you uh, go, Slapshot. Well. So Great movie. Anyways. Um, anyway, I guess that's about it. Uh, thank Gavin, you, thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it. And uh, okay. thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing 28 Days Later. And it's 28 Days Later, not 28 Days with Sandra Bullock. So, uh, if you, you know. Um, and uh, and then our last installment. No, she's very frightening. <laughs> our top five zombie uh, cliches and our last installment of the film Westival. Uh, uh, the good, the bad, the, uh, ugly. the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm Adam Sherlock. I'm Adam Pulcher. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, Kevin. Ah.